This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 309, Super Nomad Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. week before gen con we go to gen con next week we're gonna probably uh, we, i mean we'll we'll say this again next week but i'm just i'm just antsy for gen con are you antsy for gen con yeah sure fine yeah, sure, i'm fine. excited to go <laughs> it'll be fun it'll be fun to walk around and and see all the new games and yep. talk to old friends yep. and see all the people that are gonna be you know playing twilight imperium in that in that house that they got sure, and the house people there's the there's the people ask this often uh no there is not a tournament this year at gen con uh, sorry, no everyone. Tournament. Nobody wanted to do one, uh, including Fantasy Flight. Uh, we'll see. Maybe better luck next year, uh, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's just, this is going to be like the casual Gen Con. I like it. The flavor of this year's Gen Con is like, I don't know. Come, come see what we can get up to. Yeah, the flavor of this Gen Con is it's definitely one that the show could have skipped. And I think <laughs> that, I think we'll... In the future, we'll realize like that wasn't always going to be the case. But yeah. this this year definitely is a year we could have skipped. But we're <laughs> so it's more of a vacay. Maybe it's not really a vacay though, because there will be work that we'll be sure. doing, uh, including uh, our excellent live show yeah. at the Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis. Uh, Got to get your tickets for that. Yeah. Get them now. It's get them fast. It's going to be really get them good. always. Just get, we were talking about what we're doing, and I'm very excited. <laughs> yes, we have plotted it out. Uh, now we have a plan for what it's going to be, and it is going to be hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, I'm super excited about what we're going to yeah, be doing. Absolutely. Um, it's definitely going to be playing off of what we've done before, sure. but in a very, we've, we've mixed it up. We've yeah. remixed the formula <laughs> in a way that I think you're going to be very excited about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, if you have not gotten your tickets yet, uh, they should be in the, the show notes for this uh, episode. Yeah. Well, I don't know if actually, I don't know if they've been added to the most recent episodes. I, they'll be, they'll be in yet. this one at the very least. Uh, the, because of me reminding you now, yeah, yeah. I'm typing it into the it show in. notes and, and thus oh, it might get added. Uh, also, beautiful. hey, remember uh, August 26th of that 1100 UTC is the Patreon tournament finals. It's been a long break between the semis and the finals, but don't forget we have six finalists vying for their place as the champion of 2023 right. tournament five uh very excited right um and then of course remember that the next tournament will be shortly in the following Just like that. right after it basically. so prepare for <laughs> that nonsense um and in september uh we are going to have the weird bear exhibition tournament um every week we're going to be announcing uh we, we'll talk about towards the end of this episode we will have a game uh one of the weird bear games we will be uh, talking about yeah. this week we will highlight uh each each week we'll be highlighting some of the different stuff that we're going to do um if you want to join the weird bear exhibition tournament uh you can either become a weird bear or if you ever were a weird bear or are currently a weird bear you are going to be yeah. invited to it yeah. uh, we will be reaching out to you personally um to make sure that a that you've had a chance to 
submit if you have a game you want to host, if you have an idea for any kind of uh, out there Twilight Imperium homebrew weird rule set, yeah. whatever. It's right. very open. Like yeah. you're not going to submit something that's too weird for us. Yeah. Considering some of the stuff <laughs> if we're anything, about. Th- there are submissions that are too normal and that's what tends yeah. to fall aside. But if it's if it's bravely strange, then uh, I think we're more likely to try to do it basically. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start scheduling these games uh, whenever we get back from Gen Con. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we will be talking about them uh, every week oh leading God. up to September when they will be happening every weekend through yep. that month. Very uh, exciting. I'm excited because Hunter today is our final super guide and we actually finish where we started. I don't know if you remember, dear listener, way back when, when Prophecy mm-hmm. of Kings was first announced Right. We got the extra special privilege of having Dane come on the show and reveal the Nomad in right. all of its components. We got to do a full faction, like, component overview of the Nomad as, like, our very first POK episode. So it just, it feels like we've returned home after many years away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is very fitting for us to be ending on the Nomad. Um, this, of course, is the end of the guides. Guides are dead. Guides are done. <laughs> no more. Um, and everyone can can flee the show now. We've taught you. We've taught you all we know. Yeah. And then we close the big storybook, <laughs> and you all go to bed uh, that, that night, and, satisfied <laughs> with your strategies. And then every episode from here on out is just about Twilight Imperium, the HBO miniseries. Just every yes. single week, it's all we do anymore. Yeah, all we do is pitch. Uh, Twilight Imperium extended universe uh, projects <laughs> and ideas in spite of the fact that we are not qualified to do uh, anything. No. Actually, I should say that yeah. me and Matt have no qualifications yeah. for doing a single thing yeah. or couldn't, anything at couldn't all. Couldn't even try to make a resume at this point. Wouldn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> the re- the, you'd start, you'd write your name up at the top <laughs> and then nothing would come to you for the rest of it. It'd be Matt Martin. I went to college. Letters. I went to college, and then fifteen years went by. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you've really messed up, um, and you know Molly will be uh, feeling the repercussions yeah. of your horrible decisions for the rest of her life. Absolutely. Um, and I can't wait for her to make her podcast yeah. called Space Dads Peace Idiots <laughs> about how we ruined her life, basically. Um, <laughs> Uh, do we want to start with lore for the Nomad? Do we want to get into yeah. a bit, bit of Nomad lore? You know, what I think is the most interesting bit of lore about the Nomad, everybody harps on about the Nomad himself, but I don't think right. we make enough special mention about all his cast, his wily band of misfits uh, yes. that go along with him. There's there's all these other people, the, the Thundarian, Artuno, the Betrayer, Feared Marshal Mercer, uh, Navarch <laughs> Feng, all of these folks. Yeah, you did a great job pronouncing all of those names. <laughs> uh, but I just don't understand, like... I, I I think this is the funny, uh, intentionally nebulous. I mean, obviously, right? It's the Doctor Who character, or not even that, like just the maskless thing. But the idea that there's all, all these other characters that are responsible for things and have to always 
have their name on the stuff that happened. You know what I mean? The Nomad is kind of, it's kind of a con because he gets away with no repercussions for his actions. But there are all of these other people that hang out with him where it's like, no, I know Navarch Fing. I remember that dude. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it would be like if the Joker showed up like to like heist something and then his henchmen are there with him and he's like, this is George. Uh, His name is george and uh he lives he actually lives around he here. doesn't get um, a mask okay he doesn't yeah, get one <laughs> no mask this guy's name is uh george and uh he's a cool guy he lives near here he works for the city actually uh and yeah i think that i think that would be pretty weird if the joker did that and everyone would be like this is kind of not very fair to the joker's <laughs> tunes he's, i don't know how he's going to be useful to you any like beyond this point now that everyone knows what he's up to like he's, he's Dude, not yeah. really a useful tool for you yeah 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 or like if the joker had like celebrity henchmen you know what i mean it would be like yo brad pitt you're gonna get a lot of trouble for this tomorrow i don't think you're gonna be working in hollywood much longer for this one bud i don't hope, think you're pretty recognizable yeah. i think we know it's you dude <laughs> Uh, well, do we want to talk about what I? That was a, we haven't had, we haven't had a bit what like is, that in a while. What is your deal? What is I'm your deal out, today? Man. I don't know, man. I've been playing a lot of Hollow Knight, so I'm like my, my yeah. You kind of just get to play games. You get you get it. You have a cool life. Oh, do I? You just yeah, get to, okay. yeah. You just get to sure. play games and hang out. Uh-huh. It sounds pretty awesome. Mm. I wish I got to play Hollow Knight. I don't get to, but. <laughs> I wish I got to. You did. I don't get. I don't get to do it, man. (laughs) I just don't. Anyway, so the Nomad. What's the lore of the Nomad, dude? Like you're supposed to be giving me some lore right now. I just did the lore. uh, The lore. Who cares about his specific thing? He showed up one day in a mask, and everyone went, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Mm -hmm. "Give me money." And they were like, "Okay." And he predicted the future, and they were like, "Uh, "That probably was true." Are there any theories, like real, like are any Twilight Imperium lore heads, like do they have like real theories about who the Nomad might be, or is it I, kind of like? I mean, I think people make even, up theories, but I, I think uh, Dane even like at the onset, probably in our Nomad episode, was like, it's unknowable. He is unknowable. There's no way to know who he is. He's just a guy, and and we'll never. I mean, the, we have the one theory. We have one working theory of who the Nomad. What's the is. theory? Hunter Donaldson. No, that's not the theory. That's never been the theory. That was not, All right. Well, that was uh, maybe not a of, theory. You posited that it might be you. Well, I say it's me, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't. <laughs> I have my lack of influence in this arena. I mean, you, we couldn't be further from the truth. You know, <laughs> I'm saying, is there an actual Twilight Imperium character that people think might be the Nomad? You know, like that's what I think would be. I think that somebody should write that book. Yeah. Like, why have none of the Twilight Imperium Extended Universe stuff right. focused on the Nomad? He's very interesting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's such a the books we have focused so much on the Barony of Letnev, which is like the one faction no one cares to know details about like you see the, Dude, the face of them and it's like yeah i know what they are i get it they're we we know what they are but then you have like the nomad over here begging for fiction about it and all we have i is- mean if i was tim pratt and they had hired me to write some books i'd be like all right what do you got and they're like we got these space nazis i'd be like i'm not gonna bother with those what else you got you know what i mean like i'd be like uh what else what else is there i don't, I don't necessarily want to 
I don't want to like have to mind those waters. Yeah. You there's know? a cult like, of terrorists. No, no, no. Stop. Nah, that's okay. Next one. So there's. I see some cats on the yeah. cover. What's their deal? <laughs> you know, they seem nice. <laughs> let's let's go with that. I, I, I would be like writing only about the cats and yeah. the turtles mostly. Yeah. That'd be what it's all about. Because who could all, object to a turtle? Right. I want all Arborek body horror. That's all I want. I think that we just need a bunch of horror fiction. About you'd be the like Arborek. the Cronenberg of yeah. the yeah. Twilight Imperium extended universe. Exactly. Yeah. You all your stuff would be just horrifying and just <laughs> about the you know that one consciousness, yeah. one body. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it'd be kind of like Videodrome. You know. <laughs> actually, with you, except with plants. You know. The, the, it'd be the new flesh. This uh -huh. is this is good. Somebody likes this. Mm -hmm. um, perverts mostly. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's. The, there was your lore. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Great job. We did it. Yeah. I feel. I don't feel like we've nailed it more than in this instance. I mean, I do think this is the best job we've ever done with the lore. So I I'm putting a feather in our cap. I thought like at one point I thought that it was that. I was the one that didn't care about the lore mm -hmm. and that the, you were the one that did. And now for some reason, I feel like I may have misremembered that. <laughs> I'm, I thought it was that I didn't care. And then you were the one that was like, oh, I'm into it because, you know, but it's, now it just kind of seems a, like. It's a switch I can turn off and on at will. It's very easy for me uh, to go back and forth between the two. I mean, if, if, if Absol has been invited on the show, suddenly I care very deeply about the lore. And, wow, and so you're kind of two-faced about the lore. Absolutely. You know, you're kind of yeah. That's fake. too bad. Batman references today. Joker and Two-Face. Yeah. We're just yeah. really, we're pulling them all out. Yeah, dude. Is yeah. the Nomad the Caped Crusader? Is the Nomad Batman? No, he uh, honestly, if he was Batman, he would be a lot, have a lot more aggressive kit. You know? <laughs> he's way more like the Penguin, to be honest. You know, He's kind of more of a Penguin vibe. Because it's, he's all yeah, I mean, I guess he might, you know, he might get some stuff done, you know, physically, uh -huh. but a lot of it's about his goons and, his and, and him having, and his status, yeah, right. I'm just like the penguin, you know, he's Mayor Cobblepot for a reason, you know. <laughs> well, let's dive into it then, let's, let's describe all of the ways in which the Nomad is Mayor Cobblepot, I think that's a good thesis statement. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, so what are their starting units? Riddle me this. We got, hey, guess what? This is the flagship faction. We start with one. We start with an $8 ship on the board just hanging out. Uh, although, High value. Is it, is it $8? I don't know. Uh, it's also, we got a carrier. We have a destroyer. We have three fighters and four infantry. Uh, because of the flagship, that basically is a 2C4I. That's uh, We call that a good start, my friend. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. 2C4I, we got it right there. Bam. Yep. Uh, we start with the tech Sling Relay, which is, of course, the tech that allows you to build a single ship at a uh, space dock, uh, activated or no, doesn't matter, just plop yep. a ship down, pretty good. And yep. our home system is Arcturus, which is a four-resource, four-influence, single-planet home system, uh, which means we have enough money for tech round one. It's all, all in all, it is a, it's a lot, it, it's a good stuff to start with. Yeah, you can play Nomad in your sleep is going to be the theme of, <laughs> of this guide. Anybody can play Nomad. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, already we're covering, we start with a blue. Yep. We have enough money for tech. We have 2C4I. Like, it's like we can't even get, because of Sling Relay, we can't even get awkwardly stalled out yeah. on various timings. Right. We are very primo, um, pretty much for the entire game. 
Yeah. Uh, our abilities, uh, we start with the company. This is just the sort of one-time thing. It's just that during setup, take the two additional Nomad Faction agents and place them next to your faction sheet. You have three agents. Uh, so instead of just one, we do have three total. Uh, they all refresh in the status phase. There's no other, like, goofy rules. You know, a Sarl can copy any one of them if they are yeah. in the game, stuff like that. Uh, but we will talk about the agents more later. Our other ability that's actually a, an ability that is also one of them forgettable abilities that you gotta you got to keep your mind on. I know I forget it often if I'm playing Nomad is Future Sight during the agenda phase after an outcome you voted for or predicted as in writers and whatnot, uh, mm -hmm. is resolved, gain one trade good. Yeah, pretty nifty, um, especially considering we're very much like a speaker faction, like we're down to take yeah. politics and play the speaker game, meaning like we're going to be speaker probably maybe a little more often than than not. Mm -hmm. um, and future sight is very easy to grab if you're speaker, very easy to grab if right. you're lower in the order versus higher in the order. Yeah. Um, it also like motivates me to get agendas done even faster than normal. And my motivation for that is already maxed out. So <laughs> tell you what, I never forget about future side, except for the part where I gain a trade good. Right. That's an ironic thing for me. I always remember that I have to vote with the winners and happening. not with the losers. <laughs> uh, but I do sometimes forget to give myself a trade good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. And, uh, noteworthy for later that trade good comes from the supply mm -hmm. um you'll know when that's relevant yeah though. uh one more ability we have is we do start with a flagship and that flagship uh is also a unit that's going to be something that we can upgrade later but our memoria one is that you may treat this unit as if it were adjacent to systems that contain one or more of your mechs so your mechs are your own personal little wormholes that you can travel yes. through in much the same way you also have anti-fighter barrage uh three hits on an eight you have sustained damage cost eight two on a seven so middling combat hit you have one move and you have three capacity so so the base stats for the memoria are more or less the standard stuff but it's that it's that crazy movement that is sort of the the key to what the memoria is all about i suppose Right, and also it's just that you start with it. It's right. definitely balanced for you're going to be starting with this. We don't want you to be able to push everybody yeah. around in you know round one and round two. Um, so this isn't that, but it does make it, I would say, pretty unassailable yeah. in the early game. It's like nobody wants to attack you, but you don't necessarily want to just throw your memoria away in the yeah. early game. Right. Our mech is the Quantum Manipulator. While this unit is in a space area during combat, you may use its sustained damage ability to cancel a hit that is produced against your ships in this system. Cost two, combat six, sustained damage. So when it's flying around, it can soak hits. It then stays soaked with those hits when it would then want to go do ground combat. So if that matters to you, you know, any hits you take in the sky are a big deal. But these are little soak damages. It's not like the uh, Nasroka mechs that fight with you. And uh, it's, you know, they're, they're not uh, flying separately. They, they need capacity like the Argent uh, flight mechs. Mm -hmm. They're not just kind of flying around. But they're just a little extra soak on your fleets if you are willing to go there, basically. Yeah, and I would say that it's pretty worthwhile a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, unless, I mean, you know you're going to need it for the ground combat. Uh, Quantum Manipulator... Uh, is, you know, anytime you're invading, yeah. they're always going to be in the space area, you know, if you're bringing them into the system. Right. 
Um, so, you know, I don't go so far as to leave my mechs in space mm-hmm. um, unless we're like in the late game and I'm doing I'm moving my flagship around more on that later. Um, but if if I am just playing a normal game and we're in the early rounds, I will consider using this offensively, I would say, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about our leaders, because like we said, we have three agents. we got a big old leader suite. Uh, our first agent is the Thundarian, and its ability is after the roll dice step of combat. You may exhaust this card. If you do, hits are not assigned to either player's units. Return to the start of this combat round's roll dice step. So it's just see some dice, see the what hits were scored, and go, mm, don't want that. Let's try the whole thing over again. Uh, no no benefit to you, though. You might get right. less hits. You might get more hits against you, whatever. But you just retry one time, and you exhaust the agent when you do it. Right. It's important to note that this does not work on anti-fighter barrage mm-hmm. or bombardment or space cannon, for that matter. Right. Um, and it it is specifically, you got to pull out your kind of quick reference uh, on next to your command tokens and see that the roll dice step of combat is a very specific step right now that is going to be a factor in both ground combat and space combat where we're talking standard rolls uh standard moments when you're rolling dice um i will say uh morale boost you get to have another go at mm-hmm. and other uh cards and abilities that affect die rolls are going to be reset mm-hmm. by the thundarian right um it's also, I mean, this is probably the uh, maybe arguably most sellable of your abilities. There's plenty of rounds where Nomad's not necessarily going to Thundarian themselves, and then people come come asking for it, a la the Titans uh, agent to, to, to soak a hit. You know, very, I think there's uh, some amount of instances of people, you know, kind of asking for the th- Thundarian in round three or whatever. I don't know if I would call it most sellable, but you should keep your eye yeah, open sure. So for the window where it should be sold. Uh, I don't, it's unlikely that someone will seek uh, to buy this before mm-hmm. a combat, but if an unlikely weird thing happens, you got to speak up to be like, hey, do you want me to Thundarian this? Right. Um, because if that is the situation and it is a critical combat, uh, this this might be a moment where you can sort of name your price yeah. and it's sort of whatever they have that they can spare. You might be able to just say, like, you're going to have to give me all that you can manage to give me um, if it is for all the marbles. And then what's hilarious is you could use Thundarian and maybe it even comes up with the happens. same result or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, our second agent is Field Marshal Mercer. Uh, at the end of a player's turn, you may exhaust this card to allow that player to remove up to two of their ground forces from the game board and place them on planets they control in the active system. So this is a pretty weird agent because it's not like these were ground forces that helped you take a planet or whatever, uh, and they're going into a system that has a token in it, right? You're locking down two ground forces from somewhere Mm -hmm. else. So its use is very much a just like reinforce this forward place that you happened to get or whatever. Or um, move a mech yep. into an interesting position so that we can then later use it as a wormhole for the flagship. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say more often than not, that is the boon of it. Um, very rarely are you going to have things like unless unless you end up taking a legendary planet or if we're talking about Mechatol Rex. But I wouldn't say the once we get to mid game, I am going to say that I don't think that the Nomad is a I think the Nomad is a custodians faction, not a 
uh, take Mechatol Rex and lock it down type mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, you know, if you end up making that work, that's awesome, but it didn't come up a lot in my research as a possibility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really do enjoy being able to plop a mech down to the front lines whenever I want that I've built, like yeah. freshly at home or whatever. Right. Uh, and then our third agent is Artuno the Betrayer, and this is the agent that I think uh, comes up the most at the very least, and it's when you gain trade goods from the supply, which Hunter referenced earlier with our mm-hmm. ability future site, you may exhaust this card to place an equal number of trade goods on this card when this card readies, which is in the status phase, or in one other instance we'll talk about later, gain the trade goods on this card. So you get to double your money, but it's like a it's it comes later. It it, it yeah. appears later. Uh, I think the most notable sort of interaction here is your you know your one very reliable source of this trade good is what we just talked about, future sight, right? But that's one buck in the agenda phase, which is right after the status phase just happened, and you will not see that dollar until the next status phase. So it's just going to hang right. out on your sheet until the action phase, which is why I don't know. If anything, you see a lot of people just sort of like gamble basically like do i need to put this one on there or should i like try to get more in the action phase is that actually a thing or not yeah it's it's very useful uh to know going into the next round the likelihood that you're going to be taking the trade strategy card um and you know just where are you at in speaker order so as to secure that um so you know obviously we would love to use this off the trade primary and get an extra three trade goods on Mm -hmm. top of the three that we're already getting um, but if not, you know, future sight is a good use of it. Um, if you future sight twice in the agenda phase and Artuno, that's three trade goods you're getting every round just for hanging out, just for being a person, right. basically. Right. Uh, some notable interactions, I think, to just sort of uh, talk about here. You know, action cards are all from the supply. Like any any sort of action right. card that's a gaining of trade goods is from the supply. Uh, s- but stuff like the trade goods on strategy cards, those are not. So Hunter mentioned trade. That's a good one. Those three trade goods you get are from the supply. But if there's three trade goods on warfare, you can't take warfare, get those three right. trade goods, and put three more on Artuno. That's not how that one works. So it, it, may- it makes sure in any instance that the card reads from the supply, basically. Right. And this, you know, this ability has a very high ceiling as far as how effective it can be. Yeah. Um, it's been talked about to death at this point, but playing um, Scuttle on your flagship yeah, yeah. plus a Dreadnought is 24, count them, 24 in total uh, trade goods with Artuno. Um, disgusting, obnoxious, crazy, <laughs> um, but neatly kind of transitions us into the next, uh, the commander. Yeah, our commander is Navarch Fang, and uh, when we unlock it by getting a secret objective scored, this is, I mm-hmm. think, the weirdest unlock of all of them, because everybody else's unlocks are like, do this little thing over here, off to the side, right. and and Nomad is like, uh, play the game, like win- do the things that are in the direction of winning of the game, uh, right. and maybe maybe do it fast, uh, because you can produce your flagship without spending any resources, uh, right. which is a big deal, but also you started with your flagship, so until your flagship dies, 
It's not like this commander is getting you anything back. However, it makes your flagship <laughs> more uh, fine to kill, right? Like send it off. Mm -hmm. uh, it can you can play riskier. But the biggest thing here is, of course, uh, it it also you know you have an alliance. You can give this ability away, and I think that's the most notable interaction the table cares about your commander with. Yeah, I feel like when so when I play Nomad, my philosophy on uh, the the two secret objectives that I have in my hand is entirely different from any other yeah. faction because of this commander. Right. Um, I believe that you should try to unlock this quickly um, because of the alliance, yep. because it's a sellable that has a lot of status. There's a lot of factions that want this, um, and you know you're you're going to get something decent for your for your investment there. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I what I like about this is I take a look at my first two secret objectives. My normal logic playing any of the other factions is if I see action phase, we're going to keep that because we're going to try and score that last. When we see two secret objectives, that's more than we get to see uh, under most circumstances in the game. Um, however, with Nomad, I take a look at those two secret objectives, and if I can score one of them in round one or round two, that's the one I take. It doesn't matter if it's action phase or status phase. Right. I, know, I do not care about that aspect of it. I just want to unlock the commander um, for the versatility that it's going to give my late game and because the sooner we can sell the commander, the better, yep. basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some kind of notable interactions with this that I just feel like are worth mentioning here are this is producing the flagship without spending resources. It does not make your flagship cost zero dollars. And for the reason I bring that up is things like Cabal, right? Cabal has like an agent that captures units based on their value or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. based on commodity values. The, you can't steal the Nomad's flagship. The flagship still is an $8 unit. Nomad just happens to build it without spending it. It's also not hurting things like Scuttle. Your, your, your flagship is right. still worth eight bucks. It's just that when you build it, those eight bucks don't get spent at any instance or anything like that. So that, that right. you know, it's it doesn't come up super often, but I've seen players get confused by that. Uh, finally, our hero is Oxil Sivan, the probability matrix. As an action, place this card near the game board. Your flagship and units it transports can move out of systems that contain your command tokens during this game round. At the end of that game round purge this card so your fighters your infantry and your ground forces can go mm -hmm. anywhere they want with your flagship uh and this becomes uh, you will commonly hear this referred to as the hero parade basically yeah so this is the one component from the nomad that i that makes me glad that we're doing this super guide mm -hmm. because i believe the first time around we way overemphasized mm -hmm. the hero parade and just this card in general. And yeah. I think we caused people to maybe overestimate its value. Um, I think that it comes up sometimes and it, you'll be glad you have it. Yeah. And then there are many games where it is irrelevant um, or has only very minor function right. uh, for you and your game. Um, it The thing is, one of the big themes of Nomad and my criticism of it um, is that the flagship is merely a single mm -hmm. unit, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, and so this is a hero that affects this one unit. Yeah. Uh, that if you don't upgrade, we're talking about a unit that only carries three things. Yeah. Uh, so in those games, it's effectively useless. If you upgrade it, it can carry six. That's much better, right? Yeah. Six more than three, actually double more. <laughs> um, but at most, again, 
just one unit. Yeah. I, I don't know how often you've seen a single unit take someone's home system, but uh, it's not in the cards. Right. Uh, if it is in the cards, that's more about them playing incorrectly, not you playing yeah. Nomad with any kind of level of expertise. Right. And the argument could be like, well, if I have my other ships unlocked, they can join the Nomad like in in pieces of this, you know, at different points in the parade, stuff that's unlocked can come in. And that's true, but like that has its limits, right? It, of the range that everything's trying to get to. The, the the probably like top strength of the hero parade is like you move that flagship like two or three times to very, very far away where you definitely don't have range anymore. Um, and especially you're using your mechs within that to like really get around to crazy places. Um, so it's, it is definitely a weird one. And yeah, I, I, I like you uh, sort of <laughs> newly emphasizing that it's, it's a bit dubious to think uh, one hex on the whole board is going to make or break your entire game, every game, right? That's, yeah. that's a bit dubious. It's not as good in a vacuum as I feel like we made it sound right. the first time around with the Nomad. Yeah. Uh, we have four commodities, which is the the good amount. Uh, and let's talk about our tech. Our first tech is a level one yellow. It's uh, it requires one yellow requirement. It's called temporal command suite. And after any player's agent becomes exhausted, you may exhaust this card to ready that agent. If you ready another player's agent, you may perform a transaction with that player. So there's, there's two things happening at once here. The first is this is like a bio stims for agents, right? And it's like right. in the moment they do it, you could refresh it. Uh, and the example uh, that is, is always lauded is the scuttle. If you have this, you immediately get the money back because you're readying your agent. You're getting you're readying Artuno, getting the money back uh, and, and all of that. Uh, that stuff is fine. Uh, it's your agents are not like wildly amazing other people's might uh desire this more or something the the second part of that effect though is the one that i think is all is very often overlooked for plenty good reason but the main thing this ability is allowing you to do is essentially it's the one component in the game that lets you trade with someone who is not the active player and and the main place that comes up would be the defending player in a combat someone is attacking right. someone else and normally there's no way to make a binding deal with that player technically temporal command suite unlocks your ability to do a binding deal with the defending player whose turn it is not currently on does that come up almost ever uh no probably not but that that is the effect of this ability yeah um there is Something new, I think, to say about Temporal Command Suite, and I'm not the only one that is going to have said this. There were people on the pre-errata that brought this up, um, but I, it also has come up in my research a little bit. Um, there is a new agent out there mm -hmm. in the Nalu's hands that sort of has Temporal Command Suite written all over it. Yeah. Um, if you happen to know a Nalu who is down to get very weird uh, trade-wise... Temporal command suite with that agent is insane. Right. Um, because what you can do is you can pay, either you can pay for, for a use of it. You right. can refresh uh, the Nalu agent and say, hey, I would like to use your agent, which of course, if you don't remember what the Nalu agent does, it essentially allows you to activate a system without using a command token. Right. Easily one of the best abilities in the game. And it's sitting <laughs> on an agent now. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is helpful to temporal command suite. So I want to like kind of commend Dane for giving uh, this tech a target, yeah, finally. Right. right. Um, and if it's very boat floaty, it's less Christmas land than it's ever been to argue for Temporal Command Suite. Yeah. 
I still don't think it's a very good tech. Um, I think there are, uh, in order for me to recommend this to you, that you do this in a vacuum, I think you should know a little bit about this Nalu player first, because this Nalu right. player might not be <laughs> down for a lot of dealing, yeah. a lot of wheeling and dealing, or, you know, maybe we're talking about a situation where um, you are not their neighbor. Well, yeah. that's a little tougher to get leverage on them. Whereas if I'm their neighbor and I'm Nomad and they're Nalu, maybe they want to keep me happy because Nalu has like kind of a slower uh, start still, yeah. even with the agent, it is a little bit slower. Um, but yeah, so there we go. There's a little bit of an argument for temporal command suite. We will, we will cease discussion of it. It's done. <laughs> our second tech is of course the upgrade for our flagship, uh, because this is the only flagship upgrade in the game it's notable to say it's what it costs to get it you need a blue tech a yellow tech and a green tech you start with a mm -hmm. blue so you're actually after a yellow and a green prerequisite in some capacity uh if you want this upgrade and its ability is the same you may treat this unit as if it were adjacent to systems uh the thing that increases is its anti-fighter barrage is now three hits on five instead of eight and its combat increases twofold to the five right it goes up a tier in flagship from the seven two hits on a seven to two hits on a five it gains move two and this is where it gets its critical capacity six which as we right. noted with the hero is a big upgrade to the power of that ability basically every element of it that could be upgraded uh what is in fact upgraded right um and obviously if you've unlocked the commander it's also free yeah. uh if you happen to need to rebuild it um, critically, uh, whether it is upgraded or not does apply to the promissory note, which is the next thing that we're going to talk about. Um, the Memoria 2 upgrade is so tricky for me as a conversation. I almost don't even want to talk about it until we get to a uh, tech path yeah. type discussion um, because I think its usefulness has to be measured as an opportunity cost, not necessarily is it good on its own. Yeah. It is good on its own. Absolutely. Right. Um, but how much tech are you going to get, you know, evaluating it in a path, I yeah. think leads to a slightly different, uh, conclusion for me these days. And again, I think this isn't, this is tied up in the hero conversation of, did we overestimate the hero initially? I think, uh, that maybe we did. And I think some people still overestimate the usefulness of this unit upgrade yeah. when compared to standard twilight imperium fair like yeah. carrier two or dread right. two ever heard of it right. pretty good yeah still pretty good everybody and all that hinges on the idea that it's one unit basically it's like yeah this is kind this is like up there as one of the better flagships in the game I, it's I, it's like the point is that it's arguable if it's even the best flagship in the game right, right. It, it is definitely in the top like five or something like that but it might not even be the best flagship in the game and it took you tech to get it there basically <laughs> mm -hmm. it's ab i will say it's absolutely not the best flagship in the game yeah. i don't even think i could hear an argument for right. why and and but it is the point of it is not to be the best flagship in the game the point of it is to have a lot of various yeah. utility and it does have that going right. for it it's extremely uh, versatile yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that's sort of nomad's whole bag is versatility sort of across the board basically mm -hmm. uh, let's finish up with their promissory note the cavalry at the start of a space combat against a player other than the nomad during this combat treat one of your non-fighter ships as if it has the sustained damage ability combat right. value and anti-fighter barrage value of the nomads flagship return this card to the nomad player at the end of combat so one ship 
becomes sort of the stats uh, in combat right. of the flagship, and that's whatever stage the Memoria is cur- currently at, one or two. Uh, this has kind of a hilarious effect of the Necrovirus could copy Memoria 2 tech and then get the cavalry and have two Memoria 2s fighting in, Memoria a single, twos. in a Why single not? combat. Why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> and that would require them to... Copy Memoria 2, which would, of course, override their flagship right. ability, That's which I would good. argue is better. But <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is possible to meme play that one out. And I think someone should, especially now that we've said it out loud. Um, <laughs> Cavalry is a very good uh, promissory note that I think you should sell for basically anything. Um, I had trouble with it in my research games because people don't like to do any deals with me, regardless of the price <laughs> or if it is anything yeah i mean people just re- reject it outright but i do know in a vacuum that if it's not me if it's a normal person playing that generally speaking people will buy cavalry yeah um i wouldn't say that you don't have leverage on someone just because you have cavalry a lot right. of times people buy it to ensure that an early game combat mm-hmm. is easier you know yeah. it's one that they might win they're not buying it to turn a losing fight into a winning fight a lot of times they're buying it to turn a winning fight into a solid no loss right. fight right you know yeah. um which it would be fantastic so yeah sell it and hope to get it back and sell it again yeah that's that's the policy i think that that makes the most sense for the cavalry right yeah this uh, this is sort of a classic like the example would be like somebody took custodians but then somebody else wanted to come in with a bit more to mechatol but they'd really mm-hmm. like to they'd like to cinch it they'd like it to just be theirs hey how about the cavalry to make that a little bit easier basically um right yeah. and and remember of course that it cannot be used against you because right. that wouldn't really make sense but uh but it, it can't be so yeah. you you unless you're just feeding you know the the player in the lead there's not really a lot of concerns here it, it can kind of be wheeled and dealed to you know to whatever to yep. your heart's content yep uh okay well that's that is the overview of everything we've got should we dive into uh strategy cards after a, a quick little break yeah let's take a break Welcome back, everybody. Hi. How are you doing? Are you feeling good after that little break? How's the first half of the episode treating you? Are you having a good time? I hope so. Hunter, will you <laughs> tell me about the strategy cards in round one for the Nomad? All right. Um, I will. Um, so <laughs> I like to go. I like to go one to eight. Um, I, I'm not trying to organize them based off preference or whatever. So let's start with leadership. I consider this a mid-tier pick. Um, it's a value pick, mm-hmm. obviously, um, but I think it might be the worst value for Nomad's needs. Uh, we are not particularly interested in following a bunch of secondaries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The only one that I feel like gets thrown in a lot for us is possibly an interesting forward dock. Um, however, even that I feel like is kind of not on brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and the reason is I'll go ahead and get to Diplo. I think Diplo is like the top of the middle tier um, because unless you have a very weird slice, uh, I would rather have money for more plastic 
um, or, or a mixture of even plastic and uh, command token feels more up our alley. Yeah. Um, mostly because we have Sling Relay, right? And that's going to let us grab um, an, an, another ship, another capital ship yep. in round one. And it doesn't matter what happens with Warfare, right? But we are locked out at 4i. Right. And a good a mech early for Nomad is not so bad when we think about that ability for the flagship to warp to a mech. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you remember when we were talking about Field Marshal Mercer, uh, a mech can be built at home and then very quickly thrown into the front lines. Right. Um, so just the idea of getting some resource uh, and influence value out of some planets is worth it to me. I don't know that I am very interested in, like, for example, spending the uh, home system on uh, command tokens and then mm -hmm. using Diplo to get some resource value out of it. I don't quite feel that way. Um, spending our home system on tech and then refreshing our home system and a juicy uh, resource planet like Barrig or something like that yeah. um, for more resources uh, seems to me to be a pretty decent um, play. Yeah. Um, now, if we want to move on to number three, politics, I would say, is a top-tier pick for Nomad. We start with a blue. Uh, we start with uh, good money, decent setup. Uh, why not us be the custodian faction? Yeah. And even if, for some reason, we don't end up with custodians because somebody else takes it round one, uh, we just have a great round one start. Yeah. So I never feel bad about the idea of just going ahead and letting Speaker it at us or at preferably even our neighbor yeah. ideal situation here would be uh we sell it to a neighbor and we retain first pick right that would be amazing i'm not really sure you know we we have you know we've always got cavalry you know and uh, it seems like why not i when it's not me people do want that card so yeah. you gotta you know I, it's hard for me to know exactly how much they want it but they do want it yeah. all right it's great when you um, sit to the left of the person who takes trade right they take trade you take beautiful. politics you get paid to sell the speaker token backwards and maybe the cavalry gets thrown in there too you make trade money without even being the trade holder or whatever and the yeah. and the person with trade thinks they get a lot of value out of that and they probably do yeah um construction i would say is a low tier pick even possibly uh not a pick right. for us at all i mean i would say like if diplo is a yes construction is generally a no yeah. obviously this is always changed by the objective flip depending on what that ends up being um trade is our number one pick mm -hmm. um or round one and every round until the last <laughs> round. If there was a way for the speaker token to stay upstream of us and us just pick trade over and over and over, uh, that would just be the perfect uh, day, yeah. I would say. Um, we make so much money off of that extra three trade goods and we're just such a natural good at trade mm -hmm. faction being a four commodity faction with a, let's count it up, promissory note that's sellable. Yep. Uh, a good commander that's sellable. These are more sellables than most factions yeah. have outside of Joel Nar, right? Yeah. Um, I would rank Nomad actually second to Joel Nar in sellable merchandise. Yeah. Um, as far as just how much potential value they can get off of it. We got some goofy uh, pre-errata from uh, Jadim Jedi, who just wanted to call out uh, Mantis's play in this year's tournament. Mantis pulled off a cool maneuver in the tournament this year. Uh, he used his carrier to take Hope, Hope's End next to home and then put the mech at home. You use Sling Relay 
to make a second carrier at home. Again, you need trade goods to like get all of the stuff to do all of these things. Right. You tech gravity drive, right? You've used trade as effectively a stall in, in addition to sling relay. You tech gravity drive, you move that new carrier next to Mechatol with the uh with the mech, right? Uh then you use the flagship and the mech's adjacency and gravity drive to take Mechatol round one. Uh, it's a play that requires a number of things to go right, but it's a good example of the weird movement capabilities you get from the Nomad, Mech, and Flagship combo. Yeah, and I I feel like... Um, now, Jadim did not say specifically in this comment that uh, Mantis had trade, but Mantis definitely had money right. in order to make this happen. What I love about taking trade as Nomad, because of Artuno, we're going to get those three trade goods going into next round. Yeah. It just makes me feel really secure. Right. It makes me feel like I can be a little bit risky in this game or in this round that I'm in right mm -hmm. now. And next round, I'm getting three extra bucks. And that's our starting scenario, right. basically. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. I think it's quite helpful. Um, it's just they're just really, really good uh, at. Uh, having a lot of money and, and accruing a lot of wealth. They are essentially a money faction without any, uh, besides Artuno and Future Sight, no explicit money abilities, but it ends up being deceptively more wealthy than I think it initially appears to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about Warfare? So Warfare is bad, and I've been saying it every week <laughs> for a while. Um, you are a 2C4I faction. You have Sling Relay. Yeah trick somebody else into taking it as far as i can tell everybody it's easy to do so yeah. everybody keeps taking it round one even though everyone else gets something better out of it maybe we you know if if i had it my way what would happen is people would stop taking warfare round one and then it would come back into the meta because people would start paying for people uh -huh. to take warfare right um which unless you know, obviously, if you're SAR, it's different. If you're playing sure. a faction that needs warfare, it's different. And right. I note those whenever we get to them. Right. Nomad is not that faction. They do For they sure. do not especially need uh, warfare. We would love to do the secondary and get some more ground forces off of it. Obviously, yeah. we have a ship already covered. But even those times that we do that, it's a little bit awkward, right? Because I might secondary to build four infantry and a mech yeah. you know what i mean right. like it, that's just kind of an awkward thing to do but it's like and with nomad a lot of the times it will make sense because you're like listen i'm getting extra ships yeah what i need is to make sure that every time i build i'm building a lot of those cheap little units yep. that i can't get any other way right uh, but yeah you do not need to be uh taking warfare uh in my opinion yeah. um unless i mean if you see some sort of weird diplo plus trade equals I get, you know, custodians round one mm -hmm. and no, by no other way. Sure, by all means, go for it. But if you don't see that play, I don't get what there is for you in Warfare at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, technology. Yeah, so technology is merely mid-tier with uh, Nomad. We start with a blue. We start with enough resources at home mm -hmm. uh, to get gravity drive. That's a very, I think, reasonable tech position to be in. Yeah. Um, I think you can prioritize trade and politics over it. I would maybe even sometimes consider uh, Diplo over uh, tech for me as yeah. Nomad just because I want to start with money. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for is just accruing a wealth and plastic advantage yeah. over my neighbors. 
um, and tech is worth a command token and a, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's four resources and a command token is yeah. like what we're talking about as far as value. It's not enough value. And with Sling Relay, we're never worried about, right. you know, the, you got to be pretty, you got to, you got to, it's got to be pretty exceptional for us to even get stalled out of tech. So That's there you go. That's the point I was going to bring up is like sometimes tech timing matters, right? And so you take tech because it's like, listen, I just don't want to get screwed here. But like, you aren't going to be as nomad. No. Like you're, you're just gonna be fine. You have an extra stall round one. You, you've got time to sit around and wait for gravity drive to fall into your lap. Sure, getting it for free, that's like kind of neat. I don't know if you have really, really juicy, like if you have a bunch of systems two away, right? And you want gravity drive right away, then sure, that's like maybe the argument to, to have this. If, if your slice setup is just like really bad where you need two movement before you've done anything else or whatever. Or if you see a reason to get, you know, I don't know what your skips are. If yeah. you see a reason to double tech, uh, then then by all means, if it's going to unlock some sort of very interesting play for you yeah. round two. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm merely saying compared to a lot of other yeah. factions, I would say tech is kind of a mid-tier pick for, for, sure. for Nomad. Okay. Uh, so, you know, what, what? it feels like the story of Nomad has always been I mean what the meme is nomad best mad they they've always performed well they are definitely a powerful faction and I think uh the thing I used to think about nomad is like why though like I don't understand what it is in their kit that's making them particularly strong when everything feels like uh just like death by a thousand cuts a lot of good stuff but like what is that what is it about that, that propels them into this like success that they see well I think they're well-rounded and they're a blue start faction yeah. So we've got great economy. We've got a bunch of little sellables. Uh, none of them major. None of them research agreement level, yep. but all like pretty decently potent. Um, the four commodities uh, helps a lot. Uh, starting with Sling Relay helps a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with the flagship means that it's very difficult to bully uh, Nomad without kind of like waiting around them or being very mm -hmm. particular in the way that you do it. Um, obviously, the Memorial One does get outpaced eventually. It's not, you know, some sort of excellent, uh, you know, ability on its own. Mm -hmm. um, we, I find that we perform well against like wind slaying because we don't have a lot of priorities and we have like four resources at home mm -hmm. and a lot of money. I find generally towards the end of the game, I have a really good stack of infantry, maybe a mech at home, mm -hmm. uh, and. You know, we'll even have command token advantage as well. Like economy, being good at economy yeah. is the best thing to be good at in Twilight Imperium. Right. Um, it is why Jolnar is so fantastic. Uh, it is why Hakan uh, generally does well. But it's like it's like your Hakan without the critical flaw of having a three planet yeah. home system. Right. Like that is your level of potency. Yeah. It's why I think I give. Hakan and Nomad, I would say, are probably pretty close on the overall tier list. I would probably give the edge to Nomad because of their very particular, unique abilities that can sometimes kick them from being a good faction to right. being a great faction. Yeah. Um, but also the defensibility of a one-planet home system over a three-planet home system is like night and day. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Hakan lose so many games just because they couldn't hold well on. so and so was able to get there and yep. then all it takes is invading the one planet yep. um so yeah um i also think that nomad has a particular strength in uh point blocking like like nomad is not particularly good at like 
when slaying other factions on their own, although mm-hmm. the hero parade sometimes makes it happen. Um, they are pretty good at, you know, spending their tokens in a particular way as to like, I'm going to block you here and that would stop you yeah. uh, from winning. Right. Um, they're also very unpredictable. It's very hard to constantly chart um, their movement yeah. because of the mech ability. Very hard to tell exactly where the flagship can go at any one time. Um, so if it ends up being the type of game where that means a lot, which is not true always, sure. but if that does mean a lot, then you are going to surprise your opponents, you yeah. know, and, and surprise is probably the best thing you could have on your side in Twilight Imperium. Yeah. I um, mean, I feel like Nomad has a very high potential, uh, for that. Yeah. I um, feel like the hero, uh, is when I've seen it do well. It is because of all of the other things contributing to it. Like the hero alone is not what is a really good ability. It's like, well, you set up, but you have a lot of tokens. You got your mechs well spread out to where nobody knows what you're going for. I mean, when, when you see a nomad like getting a super definitive win, it's like the whole table is trying to block like a bunch of different secrets and nomad still finds this other back door to get through to do the thing they need to do or whatever. Yeah, it can be very difficult to stop a Nomad win yeah. is something I've noticed. Right. Um, so if Nomad is going to win, it it can be pretty tough. Um, anytime a faction is really good at economy, too, it means that on another level, they're not very, uh, you know, they're not very dependent on strategy cards, right. um, especially just having, you know, having or making three trade goods uh, like every round mm-hmm. off future site if mm-hmm. we're playing that correctly uh and then we are getting another three from x minus one we're making six trade goods passively yeah that's with ab in absence of strategy cards so that is our floor that's a like i mean <laughs> think about that yeah. in comparison <laughs> to like sardak right like it's 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 easy to see why economy is such an important aspect of the game because some, you know, some of these factions are just making money for free. Yeah. Um, and I would say that 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 is that is nomad. We are just kind of getting money uh, for existing. Someone has someone X minus two'd me uh, as nomad, and I was like, that kind of seems fair. pretty fair <laughs> yeah. uh, to do um, because, like, yeah, it it is a lot of money. They're just kind of finding out yeah. there. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, anytime you have a, a good bonus to economy, it means you can start thinking about stuff like, you know, just purely tempo. Let's solve our yeah. tempo problem. All right. Well, once we've solved the tempo problem, how's our speaker control going? Yeah, basically. Right. Well, then something notable, I think, about this guide is to also tell the other side of that story, which is that, like, you did a lot of games for, for Nomad. We were going to do oh, this I don't guide. like them. Yeah, yeah we, we were going to do this much earlier. <laughs> is, is this one really, like, annoyed you in a lot of ways? And some of that seemed like a, a sort of... Uh, it felt like the wins were sort of escaping you. But not even the wins, because you had times when it's like, oh, I, I could have won that game or whatever. But it felt like there was some key ingredient that felt like it was out of your grasp or something when you would when you would describe things to me of just like something wasn't clicking with them stylistically or whatever. I'm going to betray our friend uh, Root mm-hmm. slash Alec, the board game slash the person, <laughs> and say that I think their abilities are fairly generic mm-hmm. and I prefer factions that have more specific play styles informed by yeah. their abilities. Right. Um, I feel like the Nomad, you can, 
there's a couple traps you can fall into, mm-hmm. and I would say Memoria 2 is sometimes a trap. Uh, researching that tech and finding out that having one, having a flagship <laughs> that can do well, yeah. even if they can do well in multiple systems in one round, right. might not be, it might not be that type of game, yeah. basically. Um, we, like I said, we're not like, we're good at point blocking. We're not necessarily good at wind slaying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be tough. Uh, cavalry, I encourage everyone to sell cavalry as much as possible. Sometimes cavalry can get stuck and yep. it be in someone else's hands and you never see it again. So you don't get to use it to help with the wind slay. Um, I feel like having a great economy is good, but that alone will not just make your game. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think Nomad... Uh, struggles with is if they don't get their tempo figured out like if you don't take custodians um or get you know find you know uh you know shard or obsidian or something like that um it can be really difficult to take mechatol rex in the mid game mm-hmm. uh, i find there's a lot of factions that are better at holding it than you are at taking it if you think about the memoria's abilities they all have to do with base combat right not ground combat so ground combat ends up being relegated to your mech whose ability doesn't have to do with ground combat right you really have like besides the thundarian basically no relevant ground combat abilities and sometimes you might not have dread 2 and being able to get extra bombardment sometimes is like a critical like kind of thing that will throw uh, a combat over something like Mechatol Rex yeah. into your favor. Right. Uh, but if you don't have that, that can be uh, difficult. There's a lot of factions that I would consider like a little bit worse than Nomad overall, but better for me because I prefer to be able to swing my ground combats. Yeah. L1 is not better than Nomad, but I like L1 <laughs> better because right. they have relevant, relevant ground combat abilities. Yeah. They have a little bit going on in space. They got a little bit going on in ground. Actually, I would say they have a lot going on on ground, <laughs> but they're also good in space, yeah. right? Right. So that's how I kind of feel about Nomad is like, we're good in space on the ground. We're kind of, we're just nobody. Yeah. We got, we have no right. identity on the ground. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that that can be rough. Yep. Uh, and the hero parade Maybe at first it seems like that sort of solves that problem. It doesn't, though, because it's not allowing us to activate the same system more than right. once. So if we can't get enough ships there to take that ground combat, like, yeah. we're not. We still only get one attempt at that. Right. Um, we're not betraying the command token rule so much so as to be able to activate it a second time. Yeah, We're, we're uh, sneaky and aggressive, sort of. And that comes at the cost of, like, relevant defenses, right? Like, our, our only good defenses are the plastic we've built throughout this game. That's the only ability we right. have that is like matters defensively. And beyond that, like, it's all about, I can get places, but once I'm there, I am on my own, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I think that it, it's tough to know. So, like, I never really figured out. I'm saying Memoria 2 is a trap sometimes because I have felt that many times at yeah. the late game, but I didn't find that point of choice where it was like, oh, this is what's supposed to inform mm-hmm. you to go this way or that way. I just went different ways and felt different ways in my games. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to to figure out the logic of when to go Memoria 2 yeah. or not. Um, mostly because we have, to ta- we have to make a lot of tech path choices before we get to the stage 2 flip. Right. So sometimes that stage 2 flip is like, this is a hero parade type objective. Right. 
um, or it's not. You find uh, out if your stuff is relevant, like in round five, basically. Like yeah. in round five, you're like, did all of this matter or not? I don't know. Let's let's here we go. D did my secrets turn out, or did the stage two flip in my favor, or whatever? But you don't. You sort of commit to something er earlier in the game, and then right. see if it works. Yeah. Um. I there's. I think there's just. Some factions have narrower cones as far as like their abilities and their advantages, mm. but I feel like those narrow cones allow them to do things that are consistently uh, great or things that I can count on more. Yeah. Like I would say that I, you know, I went up against Titans several times yeah. as Nomad and felt like Titans' abilities sh shined a lot brighter. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Titans, if they don't get uh, custodians, if they don't get tempo, they can still make a really good play most of the time in the mid game for Mechatol Rex. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying like a lot of the time I'd be like, I'd give up some of this money advantage <laughs> just to be able to kind of break in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if, but if you're playing against Titans and they set up on Mechatol Rex, you're not taking that. Right. Nomad's not taking that yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I was able to take a, a Titans home system only in a game because they had stretched themselves out enough to mm -hmm. where it became possible. Uh, but beyond that, I feel like I took very few uh, ground combats that I considered essential or game swingy. Yeah. Um, and that is just something I couldn't get away from as far as like this is this is tough. If you think about a lot of the really good factions they have, some sort of ground combat nugget. Mm -hmm. I think of Nazroka as well. Yeah, Nazroka also very good economy. Um, the Idolans are good on the ground yep. and they're good in the space. Yeah, you know, they it's do it like all. We, whereas we don't we have get that. a little yeah. bit of everything. Whereas, yeah, Nomad is desperately needing something that hits a little bit harder on the ground. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're we're pushing this new narrative then that this flagship is not all it's cracked up to be in the past. Meaning mm -hmm. Memoria Two maybe doesn't like change our fate wildly which i feel like the prevailing wisdom was like get to memorial 2 tech so what tech path are we are we talking about instead these days well so if i'm going no skip uh just like out there in the ether i'm not even sure i'm gonna have memoria 2 on the list to yeah. be honest at this point i think if you can't throw it in with the skip maybe i don't really care um I honestly, uh, it, my no skip path I'm going to say here today is grab drive. I mean, it's grab drive first all, uh, always, first all. Yeah. I mean, you just can't. You're a blue star faction, so you get gravity drive first, right? We don't <laughs> have, really have to litigate that. I like barrier two yeah. because of the points I was just making about ground combat. We have no bone to it, so we have to overwhelm them with numbers. Yeah. So carrier two is going to help us a lot. Uh, scan link into dread two is going to help us a lot after that supplementing with deep blue text seem more important to me than just merely picking up memoria two. Yeah. Um, obviously if we end up picking up a green skip, we could throw memoria two into my no skip plan pretty easily. Right. Um, and you could even sort of plan for that if you wanted to I'm not saying memoria two will be useless in this situation, but there's going to be a lot of games where, where the hero parade isn't what this game is about. Yeah. And in that world, maybe I want fleet logistics a little more. You know, right. one thing I really like about fleet logistics is anytime you're talking about a faction that's like, oh, we have trouble with tempo, being able to sneak Imperial, yeah. as in activate and quickly uh, use it, uh, is a way, I think, to kind of gain back that tempo if we're kind of bad at it. Yeah. Right? right. And I would say if Nomad doesn't get custodians, a lot of times they're a little bit uh, bad at it. Yeah. Um, 
as far as green or yellow skip, which I would say is like kind of the same to me. Yeah. Um, I would take gravity drive, uh, any green or yellow. I don't really care. You just pick your poison. There's well, whichever there's... you don't have the skip of, right? If you've got a, if right. you have a green skip, get get yourself the the yellow that makes sense of the two at the right. base there, or vice versa, I guess. Yeah, I I really don't. I mean, I said scan link uh, for the yellow in the no skip. That's more just because I'm thinking you're maybe going to need the versatility of scan link. You're getting it um, late. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> an option. Yeah. But, you know, generally speaking, it doesn't really matter. What sucks about your options is that, so, Neural, uh, Alice wrote in to talk about Neural. Alice wrote in to talk about Neural as if Neural was a hot take. Uh, I actually had a game where I got Neural early and very much enjoyed it for Nomad. Nomad has a lot of very interesting action card uh, interaction yeah. between uh, them and, and Artuno. Think about how many uh, action cards give you trade goods from the supply. Is it really that bad of an idea to throw in some more yeah. action cards at Nomad? I think not, actually. Yeah. It goes beyond um, that, too. I mean, there's other stuff, too, right? There's there's uh, flank speed or, like, I mean, even, like, a, a uh, skilled retreat to, like, make a move to get a mech somewhere crazy and then oh, yeah. combo that into a new movement or whatever. Like, there's, it, there's just so many weird little things that fall into the kit of versatility right action right. cards can help you be more versatile yeah um bio sims is also useful especially if you have a really juicy planet for it but being able to do sling relay twice and around is not bad that's yeah, yeah. good right um and then obviously sarween is just fine maybe sarween is really the bad one because it doesn't interact it with uh, the sling yeah. relay so yeah whatever i mean i will stand by scan link yeah it's got to be scan link if you're just getting a level zero yeah. uh yellow obviously uh predictive you know, if you could, but if you have a yellow skip, then you should just be using that to grab our next tech, Memoria 2, yep. and then close that out with a Carrier 2. Again, Carrier 2 is our only way to kind of try to o overwhelm our ground targets. Yep. That's our only strategy there. Um, so yeah, and then after that, you know, you I think you always supplement uh, with Nomad, with with Deep Blue, with, with Fleet Logistics or Lightwave. Yeah. Uh, and and I hopefully you get to make that choice after the stage two flip and not before. Uh, but you know sometimes it gets weird out there and we don't get uh, final round tech. Yeah. Um, red skip. I don't care. I, if, <laughs> I, I, don't, I have no patience for. A lot of people like to throw in AI dev with uh, with Nomad. I don't feel like it makes very much sense. Uh, we we it's like we already need gravity drive. I don't need to be like canceling out more stuff. Yeah. Um. I I just I don't really get it. I I, I think it's. I think people throw in AI dev because they're prioritizing Memoria 2 like maybe a little too much. Yeah. You know, I would say like if you just don't got an easy way, if you can't skip one into Memoria 2, don't bother getting another tech outside of Memoria yeah. 2 in order to make it happen. I right. don't know. I just don't think it's that essential. So for me, if you ever if all you have is a red skip, you're just gonna act like you have no skip. We're gonna go gravity drive, carrier two, scan link, dread two. Yep. There you go. Yeah. You're just playing kind of a boring game of normie <laughs> type <laughs> slightly Imperium, rich yeah slightly rich vanilla uh ti basically so we already talked about neural a little bit which is like kind of the fun thing to talk about that neural is actually good with nomad yeah. um but uh integrated economy does com combo oh with the hero oh parade. you've done it mm -hmm. you said the magic word there yep. they'll, they'll come in droves yeah integrated's funny right because the whole idea behind it is i can send my flagship with its capacity stuff forward take the planet, 
build more with capacity if I have the money, which I'm nomad. I probably do. Uh, yeah, and then that do. hero parade gets to refresh itself, right? I, yeah. I could have lost some infantry on the ground and I can restock. Now I'm picking more and, up. Get, yeah. and, and continuing on from there. It's three yellow deep. So I don't know how you got there, but it is it is a good tech for them if you can find your way into it. it there, there's yeah, a logic. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't even really care to, to entertain <laughs> how you got to it. Um, but, you know, I'm not recommending you go for it. I'm just here's I'm here's, just what, it is. here's it what it up. is. Ixthian went tech and you have a yellow skip. So you got predictive because predictive is good. You already had Memoria 2, you went predictive, and you right. went uh, integrated economy or something. You, you've already had yeah. a tech-rich game up to this point. That's the argument for integrated. And you've seen the stage, too, and it makes <laughs> yeah. sense. You know? This is the yeah. round four agenda phase mm -hmm. where you get XDN. Mm -hmm. There it is. That's when you get integrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've already said that I think Fleet Logistics is good for Nomad. Uh, it's just generally, I think, good for factions that yeah. need to catch up in tempo sure. and... That is going to be Nomad a lot of the time. Can so there also you go. be relevant in that hero parade too, right? Like sometimes right. you need those two activations that actually happen back to back or whatever. You need a double right. move all in one fell swoop or whatever. Um, it's interesting because uh, I, I, something I don't think we've talked a lot about so far is just the notion that, uh, you know, I think our old guide probably talked about command counters more basically because the hero parade was such a big deal, was so notable. Such a priority. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're you're deprioritizing it. Does that meaningfully deprioritize like a need for command tokens to you uh it doesn't but it also uh, to me does not seem like that is a difficult thing to be yeah. ahead on if you're playing as nomad right. like I, I i don't feel a need to in the guide say get command tokens right. you're going because have you money. will have the money for command tokens like it, it will it will be a thing for yeah. you and if it's not a thing for you hopefully it's not a thing for everybody like yeah. you're just playing a really starved map or something like that right uh, but if 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 things are even ish across the board nomad is gonna do quite well yeah. as far as command tokens go okay well um, we've talked a lot about getting rich and how good our stuff is but do we want to reiterate some points about you know our, our trading but and especially with regards to like how our mid game sort of pans out I mean, yeah, we've got our we've got our cookies, right? We've yeah. got cavalry, we've got our commander. We should sell those things. Um, it's I think you can do that. I think anyone listening can can do that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if your opponents are not interested in buying these things, well, that's their problem. Like they <laughs> yeah, should, yeah, be. yeah. <laughs> they should want. It's a little bit of money for you and an amazing ability for them when they need it. Right. I mean, my tr I'll say this: my trade that I do with the commander is. I have them, it's like they're buying a Dreadnought or a Carrier, yeah, and they get a flagship. Right. So they pay for a Dreadnought, and they get a flagship. Or, if they happen to have a note or cookie I want, then, then they can give me three trade goods in that cookie, and it's they're paying for a Carrier and getting a flagship instead. Yeah. It's gotta be a pretty bad flagship for that deal not to be appealing. Right. Right? Yeah. We no longer live in a meta where it's like, Never build your flagship because someone might score a secret objective. Yeah, it's sure. like there's more secret obje objectives now. It doesn't matter. Uh, and many of the uh, the flagships have uh, not necessarily a utility that's worth eight, but could be worth three. Yeah. You know, right, right. So there Is there go. anybody that you're like, don't don't let them get it for free. Don't just don't just go giving that to them. Like the the popular example is Yin's Van Hog, right? Like, oh, I can I just have this nuke, but I mean, I think that's just hilarious. That's just for the memes. But is there anybody that's too dangerous to get a free flagship? I don't think so. Yeah. I think I would give it away to pretty much anybody. I mean, even, you know, you could 
And I think my price would be the same too. Is like if L1 wants their flagship, mm-hmm. then I'm going to say three trade goods and your promissory note, right. and we're good. And right. they can maybe even talk me down to two trade goods and their promissory <laughs> note if they're, you know, if they're good at talking or uh-huh. if there's, if they, if I think they're going to use it for some reason that also benefits me. Yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah. There's not a single flagship I'm not down to just get on the board. Yeah. Um, basically and honestly uh, it, it, in the in the meta where we're talking about what you've already like disproven you said like we're not worried about the secret objective but in the world where we're worried about the secret objective of someone trying to kill flagships well giving this ability away is one is one less eye on our flagship like because at right. the start of the We've game ours is the one, on the one that everybody wants to yeah. kill right so we might lose our flagship because of that so getting someone else's out there quickly is at least just like oh maybe they go over there instead especially if it's one of those even work if we've upgraded the memoria and the other one is hakan or something like yeah go kill the hakan right. flagship what are you talking about yeah absolutely um I as like really I don't really have much else to say as far as trading goes. Yeah. I think that is kind of it. I mean, I, I do want to emphasize like that we we do want to try and pick up custodians in the mid game uh, or in in round two yeah. uh, or round one if we can make it happen through some weird mantis magic. <laughs> um, or and if not, like we need that tempo. We want right. to solve tempo because once we have tempo solved. We can basically just play the speaker game and af- and we're pretty good at that, to be honest. Like yeah. if all we have to focus on is, is speaker, we can lock the game down uh, pretty decently. Um, as far as like weird other things to talk about before we kind of get to the conclusion here, yeah. uh, I do want to talk about agendas for just a second. There's really only two things to mention of note, which is that economic equality is bad for rich factions like yeah. it always is. Hilariously, um, though, does combo with Artuna the Betrayer. If you if if you know it it's gonna go four, you, you know get those way. five bucks on top, right? You get you get That's ten bucks true. out of it, but it's delayed. It's all these things, right? It's it's and a they're whole... probably not going to go four if you are because you around. probably have a stack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also think it's hilarious that we always end up talking about the mech base yeah. agenda, the one that takes away the printed abilities on the mech card, except yeah. for sustained damage. Um, that one is pretty chill for us because we have two mech abilities and one of them is written on the flagship yep. card. Yeah, so, it's not on the mech. <laughs> that is And that's fine. the good one too, right? The mech's yeah. ability is like, ah, do I even want to use it? Like the argument yeah. earlier was, am I saving this for the ground anyways? Am I really using right. my sustained damage right. in space? That's the other thing is like Nomad is built just for space combat yeah. and sadly the game is not just decided in right. space. Uh, so yeah, that's like it's funny. Dane's put in a little trick there. Uh, <laughs> you should sustain your mechs in space, so you lose on the ground even more than I've planned for you to be losing on the ground. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, there's also that one. Uh, I will say there's just there, there's one where uh, you would replace all of your mechs, right? Where you turn all of your mechs back into infantry. That's a that no sucks. go. Yeah, that, that's uh, a no go. The the, the alternative you really want to push for the alternative to happen on that one, where instead everyone just mech like, gains a, a mech at home would be we uh, would be great. Yeah. I just feel like ones that hurt everybody, it's like, I feel like the the mech for Nomad isn't even going to be the best mech on the board. Yeah. But we don't want to lose it. Right. But yeah, it's it's not going to be the best one available. Yeah. Rearmament Somebody else agreement. can have a better one. Agenda. Rearmament agreement. So anyway. Yes. Okay, well, let's let's round this, this off. Let's talk about, you know, how we close this game up. Yeah. Um. So we have to figure out our tempo. Once we figure out tempo, we just uh, we just have a policy of n- do not let the speaker token pass by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, use 
know, use your action cards, use silly, like whatever swingy abilities you can come up with, whatever swingy situations that arise to kind of keep the game pointed in your direction. Yeah. Um, you're not like, you're not like Titans. You can't kind of claw your way or force your way into the running from the bottom. Yeah. You need to get momentum early right. and coast into a victory where you eliminate your very few, hopefully very few rivals from the running in the final round. Yeah. Um, make as many deals as you can, uh, put, pull the table onto your side and hope that you have enough gas in the tank to close it down. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, the best you can do yeah i basically. think that emphasis is like it's basically saying the mid game is kind of your late game like you got to do a lot of work to have a really good setup that then mm -hmm. hopefully can be utilized in the late game in a meaningful way the the right. games i've failed at with nomad are where i've done my like oh i didn't build enough plastic thing and you really feel like oh nomad is like not a faction <laughs> if i haven't put this money somewhere right this money yeah. not not just like oh i got a big fat stack at my home system it's like no, no 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 get your plastic all over the place so that then when it's time to do stuff you are everywhere you might need to be already basically yeah yeah uh i wanted to note uh that one of my favorite things that you can do as nomad is there's the stage two uh control objective where you just have to be in space there's like there's like a couple varieties yeah. of this but there's the one where you have to be in empty space yeah um I love getting fighter two and using the hero parade to yeah. like late in that round, just plop fighters around. <laughs> um, that's just something only you can really approach that objective yeah. that way. And I love that. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's yeah. all I got really. Yeah. Um, in general, that's the argument, right? For the, for nomad as a stage two faction is it's like, it's just those, those control, those space control or like a chief supremacy, right? Flagship on Mechatol. If you can, if you can find a way to crack through there, which is harder, right. but those like spread thin control objectives that are stage twos. If you can do the stall business to get there, that is when the hero parade like does something basically. Right, and when when it's a hero parade objective, you might be very happy with uh, with having gotten biostims sling right. relay, right? Um, because your ability to stall the other players out is going to be very important for any kind of objective that has to do with the hero parade started up late in the round and achieved our objectives after everyone else had gone yeah. to sleep. Yeah. Something um, else I feel like I've seen in tournament play is just the idea of like, don't be afraid to do the first couple steps of your hero parade, like in the middle of the, you don't need to stall everybody out before you start doing anything at all. Right. Right. I, the, the, the big, the big trigger pulls like, yeah, you, you're trying, you're trying to make sure nobody can respond to things, but there's certainly, if you are unpredictable enough, if your mechs are spread out, I've seen heroes pop and they're just sort of bouncing around and the players are just like, I, I don't know what to do with this energy. You know what right. I mean? And if you have space dogs out there, like the other value of that commander is the idea that you can do something, lose the flagship, rebuild it at home and oh, keep yeah. the parade yeah. going, right? It's not just that like, this thing keeps uh, this unstoppable force. You can make the flagship a sacrificial lamb for one little objective, let it die with a carrier that's going to finish the invasion, rebuild at home, and then continue some somewhere else. There's like so many ways your flagship can warp around the board. Right, and I feel like in the original guide, we were obsessed with saying things like what you just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's the I focus think... of the faction or something. Right, yeah. right. 
But what I think that has been gained in the time since the release of POK is the understanding that that the usefulness of that situation or the or the frequency of that situation yep. is maybe lower than we realized initially, which is why I think Nomad is a good faction. It's in the middle somewhere. It could be the upper middle, depending on your play style. Yeah. For me, it's probably in the lower middle when I'm playing as them. Um, I did not, you know, I did not make them sing, but they are um, they are a good faction. But, you know, personally, I kind of wish they were a little more specific. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I need them to be a, a more specific faction. So maybe in the future, you know, when Codex 4 comes along, <laughs> uh, when when is that coming along, by the way? I feel like I'm looking at my calendar here and I'm like, wasn't there a Codex 4 do? Uh, what's going on? Hmm, yeah. not a lot of. Not a lot of information out there. Luckily, we're about to go to Gen Con. I'm sure we'll find out. Oh, yeah, you know, of course. Something. Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure they're going to lead off with Codex 4 <laughs> at the in-flight report this year. Uh, Dane walks right? out onto the stage. The, the lights are shining on him. The crowd is going crazy. They know what it means when Dane steps up there uh, in his leather jacket and everything. Yes. And Dane just says, Codex 4. And everybody oh. melts. Dude, he goes Codex for five hundred and ninety nine U.S. dollars, and then he walks <laughs> off. That's something. That was like a fun. That's fun, right? And is everybody the right Everyone age there? for that joke? Did we get there? So if you're the wrong age for that joke, get out of here, okay? <laughs> Don't be listening to this show. You're in the wrong age group, okay? <laughs> I want to thank all our weird dress, Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamishimu, Pope Billy, the Second Brassbird, Cabal of Soul, Kalu, and Daryl, Jadim, Jedi, Carnal, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky, M44, and Rwise. And I want to thank our Teensy Sprouts, Kraken, General Pith, Hercules, my son is also named Bort, Savant, and Vince. You can rate this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. Give us five stars because we need it to live. It is our sustenance, and it's the only way I stay alive. You can find our website, SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles.com, which is getting uh it's getting some revamp soon and a facelift we're gonna yeah. get to talk about this uh before too long of like actual fun stuff to talk about with the website but uh for now i'll tease you i'll tease you with it hey the website's gonna change a little bit but that's where you can find uh how to become a patron uh and f learn about all of the different tier levels and the the wonderful gifts you get like the weird bear jersey or the pin that the teensy sprouts get each year you can also find links to our discord uh and I'll also say as a tease here for the website stuff, merch is going to change a little bit going forward. Yep. Uh, so if, you, if you've if you always been itching to get one of those shirts from Threadless, maybe do it now, but also maybe hang out and see what uh, new merch is going to be coming. If you're, if you, if you've, if you're only going to buy yeah. one shirt, hang out for a little bit and then get yeah. some new shirts uh, when we tell you. <laughs> maybe when you if you come see us live mm. at the helium comedy club at indianapolis indiana we might be wearing cool. some relevant yeah. to you if you want space cats <laughs> merch stuff we might be modeling a little bit <laughs> on stage maybe nothing, i don't know I nothing mean, I, like I performers know. wearing their own band shirt on stage you know there's there's, there's it, nothing like it Hey, I, I live by the promo. I die by the promo. Okay. <laughs> That's how it works with me. Uh, hey, I got a homebrew review for you. 
paradigm drift has given us uh, some agendas, just some fun, some fun agendas to talk about and look at. So let's just kind of burn through them. Uh, paradigm drift said this was before ever checking out Absol's agendas, and uh, these agendas are not intended as balanced user experiences uh, like Absol's are. These are weird ones. Okay, so let's take that in in you know into consideration. Our first one is intergalactic armed pilgrimage. Elect a legendary planet. Each player can move any number of their infantry on the game board to the legendary planet. If combat resolves, it does so in a randomized order. Neat. So um, there. So everybody fight over a legendary planet right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool. That's and a, I like it's that it's a fun. battle royale. It's gonna take forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem. That's my issue here. Now, I would change this to an elect player, uh-huh. and it would be that the elected player can target a a legendary planet uh-huh. right now mm-hmm. and, and fight and on it with it. infantry and yeah. just go for it. Just have it be one person, because then we're just doing one combat. But I love the idea of doing a combat during the agenda phase. Yeah. A, a plus for that, <laughs> uh, for the actual way you did it, especially the word <laughs> randomized. That's not a word I approve of in my homebrew. I'm going to give you a C yep. for that. C for that. Galactic Honor Codes is our next one. Four, during the retreat step of combat. This is a law, by the way. During the retreat step of combat, tokens placed on the board must come from fleet supply instead of from reinforcements Ooh. or against each player places a command token from their reinforcements in each system that contains three or more non-fighter ships good lord that against is bad yeah oh my god That's that mean. could lock down the entire board yeah like right that could lock there, which just means that four is like a this ability is going to happen and retreats are off the table <laughs> for everybody yeah yeah well, I mean, it sounds bad, but you can also just like, I mean, we retreat a lot just because, yeah, right? right? You retreat a lot of times because you're like, well, I don't want that destroyer to die if it doesn't yeah, have yeah. to. Right. But like, this would just mean that you'd be like, well, yeah, whatever, just kill it, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I, I kind of don't like the, like, I love the against how mean it is. Yeah, I kind yeah. of, the four is a little tough because I like pe- people being able to retreat because that's where people a lot of times that's where people do like really goofy weird stuff is i retreated over here and then i removed the token or whatever you know like a retreat is sometimes a movement yeah um so making it more more expensive is a little bit interesting to me yeah i it makes this makes me think of another similar effect to this which is like i'd love a either a tech or an agenda or something that is like deep space cannon for retreats and by that i mean like the ability to extend your retreat range by one you know what i mean move retreat two spaces away i don't know maybe that's ridiculous but if that was like a like a level three blue tech for some faction and that's like their thing is like they can do super retreats i don't know Well, you kind of have to have light wave otherwise it's just going to get blocked by the ships right yeah yeah Yeah. uh okay one more one more agenda establishing political asylum elect a player the elected player may draw a random faction out of the bag and gain that faction's agent if nomad is drawn the elected player may choose which agent to gain you get one this is like this is like uh you know you've got junior the agent inside the relic deck this is an agenda that says everybody that's not playing also is a junior right now these are mercenaries or something 
Yeah, I actually love this, and I love any anyone trying to get mercenaries back into the game. Yeah. Uh, I am excited by. Yeah. Uh, I personally would go nuts for just a bunch of uh, generic uh, agents mm-hmm. that are just out there that are somehow like in a difficult way, right? Not in an easy way, acquirable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that provide uh, some sort of random uh, benefits. I mean, nobody likes seeing the same abilities over and over, and that's the problem with mercenaries, right, is you're just going to see the same stuff. But if it was like a bunch of cards and it was kind of random, think about the kind of the way the relics work. If it's just a relic deck where you know they're all agents, I don't don't hate that. But I do think I love the idea of buying them, of having to pay raw dollars like you're hiring them what a, i don't know what a what an amazing boost to Asarl, though huh what a what a wonderful oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah Asarl is it's it's Asarl is on some sort of climb right now yeah. that i predict is not going to end anytime soon yeah. i think someday as more and more components come out for twilight imperium uh Asarl may find themselves back at the S tier, yeah. the tip the, 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 the tournament bannable faction, which is what they were in TI3. Uh-huh. They're literally like, no, this is too much. This is ridiculous. We can't take it anymore. Yeah, they smell like too much these days, huh? Yeah. Uh, also, just a reminder for a homebrew review, uh, send me impulse core omegas over in the homebrew channel uh on the discord and hunter and i will be voting on we'll read a bunch of them uh on an episode in august uh i would say the deadline for that is the end of this month so but before the end of july keep sending impulse course i've got a bunch so we're gonna have a whole fit a a, a fun time in in a future homebrew review reading through all these but we will award a winner and someone was even like will the winner be added to the uh uh in the past proposed space cats peace turtles expansion and to that i say oh sure that sounds great why not whatever that whatever that means to you i don't care (laughs) well i'm doing i i am still in my head working on my prequel edition of twilight imperium that's that's what that's what i've got to contribute to homebrew is not adding more things but taking things away and kind of resetting back to an earlier time but with new rules a new game mode basically yeah and and uh, and and the nomad will still be in it. It will just be a nomad from a future even further than the current nomad. It will be an older Don't nomad. listen to that guy. He was wrong all along. Yeah, he was wrong all along, and he's traveled back even further in time, and we can't trust him. He's, like, old and raggedy looking. That's that's like a big part of His it. His ability isn't future sight. It's just called a lot of regrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got problems now. Uh, he doesn't have three agents. He's got three problems. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, so we talked earlier about our Weird Bear event, and I think we said we were going to tease tease a Weird Bear concept game for, for each episode here. Uh, yeah. And I, I wanted to pitch you mine. Uh, this one has yes. not been talked to about with the Weird Bears yet. I have not proposed right. this to them. But right. I think somebody else sort of offhand mentioned it, so I think we're in the, in the realm of territory. But or again, the idea of these Weird Bear games is that they're supposed to be quite weird. Emphasis on the weird, less so on the bear side of things. Right, uh, right. And... You know, a thing that's been proposed a lot for future tournaments or whatever is this notion of chess clocks. Now, we didn't, our Galactic Council coming up episode is not going to be a debate about chess clocks, it looks like. However, I still would like to play around with the idea 
Um, but I don't want to take it seriously. I don't want to do it for real. I don't want to like actually sort of like make this well. Here, well, sorry, Matt, I'm setting a I'm setting a timer for this discussion. I just want to make sure that, that you don't go on for too <laughs> yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give you two minutes. Two minutes. Okay, okay, okay. Two minutes. Uh, and pitch us. So the clock. the notion is, and I haven't decided what amount of time this is yet, but like each person's turn or in some way, and this would be a heavily moderated game by yours truly. I would be the I would be the chess clock, keeping everyone on their toes, but. I want a chess clock game where the clock is wildly oppressive uh, and it, it essentially yeah. turns the game into you Twilight are running period. out of time yeah. buddy come speed, on you speed gotta, run the, gotta... the rule would be if you have an action available to you you need to take that action within like I'll say two minutes right now because that's what Hunter proposed and then when that two minutes is up you either use your strategy card or you pass and we like we make decisions quickly and the person you know me moderating the game will keep everybody moving very fast and we might even make the game so fast we do multiple games in a day and have a like first to two wins wins because if i can make the game only take an hour that's the kind of energy level i'm interested right in. you, i want, I want the game ambitious. to fall apart i want i want the players to not be able to manage things all right time did that's i do it, it. Oh, that's all you got okay that's all you got that was it that was 20 minutes even <laughs> Um, I'm not sure what you'll edit it down to, but yeah, he went on for 20 minutes about it. Um, so yeah, Chess Clock's game will be one of the games. Those of you that are excited about seeing how bad of an idea Chess Clock <laughs> is in real life, get ready for one of the Weird Bear exhibition yep. games. Um, Matt, I have to go, so I I, can't, I don't think I can do this agenda phase joke or this okay. agenda. I'll just Whoa. do it because I have the. Ooh, did you hear something, dude? It's it i was looking away from the window and a storm just rolled in hardcore in new york and i just lightning just struck like out i that's the thing you know it storms in new york sometimes no and it's crazy it yeah, does it do scary. it well, do though if you need to go i'm gonna do this agenda phase uh, but I don't know when's the. Well, here's the here's just the question, Hunter, and then you get to and then you get to just like duck. Oh out. yeah, yeah. yeah. Here when's we go, the last? Here we go. This... When's the last time Hunter taught some taught someone Twilight Imperium? I don't teach. Anyways, gotta go. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for your question. I appreciate it. I will never teach anyone. This is this is me teaching you. When when you listen to the show, that's me teaching you. I do not teach someone in person. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Actually, I do got to say something. <laughs> the last time I taught someone. Uh, not this game, but another game. I had a horrible experience. I, I taught Scythe to you and Sean and everybody else. You were so I mad that you were losing that game. Oh, I didn't care about the losing. I cared about y'all interrupting me every five <laughs> seconds to ask questions about things I yes. already taught you. Got and you. Then, Finally. I've been interrupted during rules explanations my entire life. Right. Yes. Y'all just kept cutting me off, and it was so <laughs> outrageous and annoying to try and teach y'all the game that I didn't really grasp it that well myself. Uh -huh. I was just focused on teaching. And then, meanwhile, you all have really grokked the game, <laughs> but I am just having a bad time. And yeah, I lost the game hard. Hard loss. I will let you know, I did play Scythe one more time, though, and I won. Good, um, good. Also, I found out that Scythe has horrible balancing. Um, because mm. I played in the seat that you played in, Matt, yeah. and I won, and and it's uh, the bet. Apparently, Scythe uh, is really there's like two factions yeah. that are like all top tier, no matter how random, you know, because as that random yeah. aspect of the faction. Apparently, those two the best. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do; it's just always going to be the best option available. So, yeah, pretty weird, pretty weird, pretty weird. Anyways, that's my review of Scythe. Uh, I'm going to go, Matt, you go ahead and, and take care of the rest oh, okay. of this uh, question. Bye-bye, love you. Yeah, good. Hey, 
Ha- have a fun rest of the show, everybody. Enjoy. <laughs> Do, hey, and seriously, Matt, go nuts. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Just go for it. I really do have to go, though. I have a meeting. Okay, um, so I'll... Seriously, though, uh, but, you know... Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No more time to waste. Yeah. No more time to waste. Leave. You gotta go. I get it. I get it. We're, yeah, I just mean, make sure we wouldn't have finished the agenda the pod- phase hey, already. I mean... Matt, just, tur- just turn the podcast off at the end, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just make sure to turn it off at the end. Don't leave it running. No, I never do. You know, okay. No, I mean, I've never it. done that before. Okay. Don't leave it running. All right. Yeah. Anyways, um, goodbye, audience. I hope you have a good time. See you later. I'll see you next week, audience. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hello. It's just me and you now. It's just us. It's just you, me, and my cat. Uh, okay, I want to answer this question a little bit in earnest because I actually have a, I'll, I'll say slightly more recent answer to it, although it's been a few years going now. Uh, but Kazmat asks, when's the last time you taught the game to someone? Do you find it any easier now? Um, I wouldn't say I specifically find teaching the game easier like because of the show or anything. Um, but I did a couple years ago work up a sort of more convenient way to teach the game in person. And I thought about like doing some sort of video uh, about this, like a, a, a teach you to teach TI, not a, not a learn the rules, but how to, how to, for you teach your group uh, the rules of Twilight Imperium. And uh, the last time I taught it was probably a year to two years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. It was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was probably within the last year or so. Uh, we, we, uh, a friend of a friend, had uh, a birthday and we were teaching him twilight imperium because he'd always wanted to check it out so shout out to daniel happy birthday again anyways uh my new method of teaching twilight imperium is based on this fact when my old form of teaching twilight imperium always came up against uh, what i find to be the critical failure of twilight imperium which is you can learn the game And then the very first decision you are asked to make in the game is to choose one of eight, like, critically important components. The strategy cards are a big deal, and they they impact your round one. Now, in a teaching game, obviously, it's not like you're trying to play the best game of Twilight Imperium you've ever had. But you do want to understand why you're making decisions. So telling people to just like, oh, just pick a strategy card at random, that can have horrible repercussions for their game, right? You want people to have a good round one so that then they have a good rest of their game. You don't want someone taking like a single planet round one and then wonder why round two sucked so bad. That's not a recipe for a good time to me for a new player. I want my new players to get off on a really good foot without you know, uh, quarterbacking them and telling them how to do everything. But I, I was always running into that issue of the strategy cards just get in the way. Like I teach all these things and then suddenly the strategy cards are sitting there and it's like, okay, now, now I need to read for you every single one of these components and then we're going to figure that out. And it just was super annoying. So my new method is that I use the strategy cards to teach the game. And I and I only teach at the on, on the front end. I can do like a 20 minute teach at this point, 20 to 30 minute teach. And it's because we read the strategy card and as the strategy card details components the new player is not familiar with, that's when we explain that component. And, and you can go in order 
and and it works i think great uh you start with leadership what is leadership you gain command tokens what the heck are command tokens command tokens activate systems you describe what it means for a system to be activated you you describe the process of a tactical action and you're good to go and then you talk you can talk a little bit about influence uh as as a way to spend or whatever but you don't have to harp on that and then you talk about diplo and you talk about the spending of planets diplo is your opportunity to talk about what it means to exhaust a planet and then why diplo would matter for it to be refreshed it's also your opportunity to reinforce the idea that a token in a system locks it down meaning diplo putting a bunch of tokens in a system means nobody gets to go there and that's why that's important right so you've just taught two concepts to the players by teaching those two strategy cards and then when they go into the picking of strategy cards later they're going to understand them you go into politics let's talk about the speaker token and why it matters we can also sort of real quickly just be like and these are action cards they're crazy they're all over the place you'll draw them and you'll figure out what they are as you go don't stress about it too much construction what are space stocks how does production work what are pds how does that work trade we can now talk about commodities and trade goods and everything uh, we can talk about transactions in general right at this point now we're talking about the negotiation of twilight imperium and you tell people you can sell pretty much anything in this game you can sell the usage of an agent you can sell whatever uh and then you get into warfare warfare you can uh sort of reinforce some production you could have even saved some like specifics about construction uh and and how to actually produce uh, i said construction i meant production uh, you, you know how you build off the secondary, but also you're you, you can glaze through warfare because you're you're reinforcing the idea that sometimes you can lift a token, and that means that system doesn't have a token in it, which means it's now accessible to you for all of your abilities. You're you're getting their head back into that space, and then you can round things off with tech. You get to talk about what tech is, what tech costs, but then you kind of leave it there. You said like, listen, there's a lot of tech. You can kind of just check it out as the game goes on, and then. You finish with Imperial and you say, and this is what we're all working towards. Mechatol Rex matters. Points matter. Objectives matter. We care about these things. These are your signposts. And you leave them on that note of your main goal is to do the stuff that is relevant to this strategy card. That is your primary focus. Not that the strategy card itself is your focus, but that the things relevant to it, objectives, are your primary focus of the game. And then once you've taught all of those things, that's enough, I think, to get started playing i hold off i don't teach combat like at all uh, at the beginning of the game I, I don't teach them until we get to a combat in round three usually with new players or whatever we don't we don't talk about it. you can maybe glaze over like listen the the lower the number on that combat value the better the ship is but beyond that i don't talk about combat i don't talk about the agenda phase until the first agendas come up because for a new player it doesn't matter all of those things will come up as the game comes on but to get people on the ground your players want to just understand this game you're going to be playing it all day and they're never going to understand what's going on so you might as well just get into the action as fast as possible and the fastest way to do that is to talk through all of the strategy cards and then they know how to make their first decision and what they would like to focus on so there you have it that's my that's my little thing that's that's a i'd love to like break that down into even more details at some point and sort of uh, let people do it. But I don't know, try it. If you're teaching some new people, tr try try that method. Adapt it to your own style and needs, but uh, uh, lead with the strategy cards first. And I I've have found it makes round one a lot easier to get into. Uh, that's it. That's the whole episode. Uh, Hunter said something he needed me to remember to do. And I don't remember what it was. Oh, well, I guess I'll figure it out.
Whoa. You hear that? What is that noise? <gasps> no. Oh my gosh, what a horrible mistake. That's what Hunter told me to remember. I forgot to turn the podcast off. Oh. It costs like $100 a minute to keep that podcast running. How much did I just lose? Oh, well, that's Molly's college fund out the window. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.